Hi. Hi, Mary-Kate. Hey, Laura. How's it going? Just wonderful. You know? Really? Yeah. You having a good week? I'm having I'm having an okay week. On the last episode, I did uh, talk about how I was going to start ketamine treatments. And I did Mm -hmm. that on Sunday. And I actually do feel significantly less anxious just after doing the first one. But I definitely feel my old anxieties like boiling up and working to like push them down so we need another we need more yeah and luckily it comes with six it doesn't just come with one and so what happens when you do that when you do a little bit of ketamine anything can happen well I shouldn't say anything can happen (laughs) so one of two things can really happen you can either go into sort of a deep meditation which Mm -hmm. is more my experience that just makes you a little bit more able to work things out because you're so laid back and they say you have increased neuroplasticity for a few days. So you can help. It can help. Yeah. It can help you develop new habits more easily. Sometimes people see really vivid things and it's like a very intense hallucinatory situation Mm. that I was kind of expecting that to be Uh my experience and I wasn't so I was a little bit underwhelmed at first for a second I was like why am I seeing things for a second I was like (laughs) did I just pay so much money for a nap (laughs) (laughs) and then I was like you know what it's okay some people like I got anesthesia recently Mm because I had a colonoscopy (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah we need to have colonoscopies they're important that was well, I guess I, I'm not that old. Okay. I, I have family history, but that was the best fucking nap of my entire <laughs> life. And, and I'm sure that was expensive. It cost <laughs> my insurance company like $13,000 and I actually have to pay a thousand dollars of it, which sucks. That's uh, how much I need to pay for six treatments of ketamine and all the little counseling sessions that come with it. Well, hopefully you'll feel like a better person after. I, hope I so. just felt very well rested <laughs> for a day. <laughs> so why we actually are here and what our podcast is about. So here we we're called the struggle is fine because we're talking to different creatives about, you know, the struggle of being creative and creative lifestyles and how, you know, it can be really overwhelming and stressful, but at the end of the day, we all do it because we love it. And so it's not bad, but it's not easy. It's fine. I feel like you, the way you're saying that is like, so, um, so in line with how that the struggle is fine. Yeah. (laughs) I'm doing it, but it's not always great. Yeah. Well, it's tough because I want to, you want to like have a good attitude with everything, but then also there's the, what people call toxic positivity where it's like, well, it really is genuinely hard. And there is something to that. It, life is genuinely hard, even if you're not pursuing anything creative It is, yeah. <laughs> and then trying to pursue, not just like a regular office job trajectory mm-hmm. is even harder. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I think you've explained it all. Thank you. <laughs> Laura explains it all. So do you want to introduce our guest? 
Yeah. Okay. So we're really excited to have this person on. Um, he was a new face for uh, JFL for content creation in 2019. He, <laughs> sorry, I just like got distracted by him laughing as I said that. Um, <laughs> Because he was like, you don't need to say that one. And yet I did say that one. Uh, he's in the sketch town. He's in this. I almost said the sketch town. The sketch <laughs> team, simple town, <laughs> which is really funny. Uh, you can check them out on social media. And he's had animations on Adult Swim and FX. Please welcome Felipe Depoy. I, oh, I keep saying please welcome, even though that's what? a stand-up thing and not a podcast thing. Well, they can welcome me. Okay. They can welcome me in their homes. Yeah, I hope everyone is just standing up and cheering or like doing a light clap and then sitting back down, especially if they're listening to this in an office. They can think to themselves, welcome. Yeah. Because I'm in their ears. And so it's like, welcome into my brain. Oh, I kind of love that in a meditative sort of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about how when you put on headphones, like when you hear something, if someone's speaking in front of you, you hear the sound coming from in front of you. But when you put on headphones, the sound is playing at the same volume from both headphones. So your ears, they have a, like a, a, a tool for localizing, like where is the sound coming from? And if you put on headphones, the sound is coming from inside of your skull because mm-hmm. it's, it's playing at the same volume in both your ears. And so you're like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's like reverberating like, it's, off your skull. Or, or you interpret it as like the, the sound is coming from inside of my mind, as opposed to oh. when someone speaks to you, your ears are like, oh, the sound's coming from in front of me. You know what I'm saying? Now Got I know it. what you're yeah. saying. When I first said I knew what you were saying, it turns out I didn't. Mm, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know if it makes sense, but I was, I don't know. It makes sense to me or it, it, it's like someone's in your brain. I have heard people say that podcasts are especially intimate um because of that because you feel like the person is in you in some way yes i think that's true right now we're going to talk about um and we'll have you join in felipe with this usually at the beginning of our episode we always talk about like what our intentions were for this week and what really happened what was the reality Mm -hmm. um i can go first Hell yeah. I think this week I got all the things done that I needed to get done. But the reality of it was that I had to very much hold on to my meditation practice, which is so new to me to actually get things done because I was super, super, I don't know, anxious or I feel like we're like in the middle of winter and I know for myself, like, I am just so ready for it to be over. Yes, I am too. And actually today was like gorgeous and amazing to be outside. If anyone's in New York and went outside, it was amazing. But I feel like in order to get the things done that I needed to get done, I really had to like, hold on to that 10 minutes of breathing. I need to start doing that. I've been saying for so long, I'm going to get a meditation practice and I don't do it. It's really hard to start. But once you do start, you're like, oh my God, this is better than any drink or drug I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Just sitting and breathing for 10 minutes. (laughs) Cool. What about you? So my intentions this week were to work on like a variety of things on some pilots I have on this book I'm writing on this 
video that I am doing for this like humor company that I've been putting off for a a thousand years. And I would say that I did do the things I intended to do, but I did less of them and they took me longer to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think something I just need to accept about myself is that I don't work as quickly as I would like to work or that I work in my theoretical brain. So I was just like, we're going to knock all these things out. And really, I just, you know, wrote a couple hundred words of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. I did finish the video that I needed to finish for my job, but it took me like two and a half days. Mm-hmm. Not, I wasn't working on it the entire day, but really good chunks of two and a half days. You did it. I did do it though. I did. <laughs> Felipe, what was your intentions versus your reality this week? Well, I have a lot of different things, a lot of uh, different projects going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll try to describe it a different way. So I recently started skateboarding and like, I'm really into it and I really like to do it. And I really want to, but very, very recently, like I'm super new at it. And I'm a person that like, when I get like a new hobby, I get kind of obsessed with it. And then I'm Mm -hmm. like, I have to do it all the time because I want to be like, I want to be like good enough that, you know, that I can like, I think there's there's a point where you reach a level of proficiency in something where it becomes kind of fun, where you can kind of be creative with it. So I'm like, okay, I want to get to that point. So if I skate an hour a day, like I'll be good. So I'm like doing that in the middle of the day, but it ends up like taking up more time of my day because then I get really tired and then I'm like a little less focused and I have to take a shower after, you know, it's like, it sort of like expands out. But anyways, uh-huh. so that's been like a part of my time now. And I've I have all this free time because I don't have a job right now and I'm trying to get stuff done. And I like don't want to give up that hour. But sometimes I'm like, I know I could be doing more if I gave that hour up. Um, if I like focused the way I used to, because again, like this is yeah. a new hobby and I'm usually pretty good. It's like working through the day. But now I like I got this new hobby and I'm like, ah, oh, man, like I don't know if I want to give that up. Like I like it and I don't have a job, so I don't really, really have deadlines. But I wrote on my, I have like a little to-do list on a Google Doc and I wrote on it yesterday. I try to write, I've been trying to write like a little mantra at the top. And I, I wrote one where I was like, just pick little tasks and get them off and just do them and finish them off. And don't worry about like huge stuff, just like finishable stuff. And if you get like three things done in a day, that's enough. I really um, like yeah. the idea of putting a mantra on top of your to-do list. I haven't heard of that before. But that's it's nice. kind of new. It's kind of new. It's a thing I'm trying it out. So like, yeah, it, it's just a way of like managing. Yeah, like anxieties where I'm like, oh, I'm not getting enough, enough done. And then, you know, part of me is like, I know that, you know, the wise teacher, what the wise teacher would say to me is just like pick little things, finish them and be happy with that. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm just going to say that to myself. I think that's really smart because I think we've talked about that with Gracie last week, just making things like all of us have like these big dreams of grandeur or things that we want to get done. And unless you like break them down into smaller pieces, they just seem so massive that then sometimes it's even hard to like start, you know, if you just break down those um, goals into like really tiny goals, then it's way easier to like get to the point where things get, start getting accomplished. 
Yeah. And I actually find sometimes that if you accept that you're only going to do like two things in a day, mm-hmm. it actually, it not only makes you feel better at the end of the day, but mm-hmm. it makes you more effective at doing just those two things. Stuff takes, stuff usually takes longer than you think it's going to take. Uh-huh. So if you just factor that into the day, like, okay, I would like to get five things done, but I know realistically two things or three things are going to get really like expanded. Yeah. And if you just accept that, then you actually give yourself the space to do those two or three things rather than like your brain getting all frizzed out. Yeah. And you mentioned showering earlier. And I feel like I always underestimate how much just like basic life admin (laughs) takes up because Another thing, another way that I like get off track is I'll think that I'm going to start working way earlier and I forget how long it takes me just to like get dressed and eat breakfast and make coffee and like, yeah, it takes me <laughs> and like then 20 minutes yeah. to like get up and get myself together before I can sit down and do something. And then I sit down and I feel like I'm already behind. <laughs> totally. I've been, and I, I have like some really bad habits. Like I look at... <sighs> I look at social media quite a bit in part. I think it's kind of necessary because I like have a comic on Instagram and I need to post that. And I like have animations that I need to post and I have shows that I want to advertise. And so part of it is like, I need to do it, but sometimes I'll be, you know, from like nine to like 11 or 12, I'm like posting on all my accounts, like all the different stuff I have to post. And it's so stupid to say that, but like, but it does take up a lot of time. If you no, I do right. too. Yeah. I definitely do that also. Have you tried doing those, one of those apps that lets you like schedule posts? Maybe I should get that. Yeah, honestly, that's kind of a good idea. A Hootsuite or I don't know. I tried one called Hootsuite, but I think you have to pay for them, no? Yeah, I I was looking into Hootsuite and later.com, but I haven't actually used them. I definitely think if I could get myself on a schedule, where I schedule them ahead of time, that would be nice. But I'm also not sure if Instagram likes that or not, because at one point for one account, I hadn't actually used it, but I was just looking into it. So I tried signing into my Instagram through it. And then Instagram gave me this message. They sent me this warning that it looked like I was trying to buy followers or do things that you are rushing by yeah (laughs) and I wasn't I wasn't trying to do anything like nefarious I was just like I would love to be able to just say this goes up at tomorrow because I can't wait to post it because if I don't post it now I'm not going to remember but it isn't the right time for the algorithm to post it (laughs) yeah and I'm a spy (laughs) honestly that's that's making me that's a really good idea because I I get a little bit of pleasure out of like like I have a comic that I post three times a week mm-hmm. and I get a little bit of pleasure out of like okay at 9 p.m like now it's time to post and I have kind of this routine but I'm like if I didn't have to do that I don't know it would just it would just free me up to do other stuff like what you know start right away doing stuff mm-hmm. yeah that's great though that you've been consistent about posting three times a week how long have you been doing that so I have this comic called Little Edie that's on, um, it's on Instagram. I mean, it's on Instagram and Twitter, and then I have a site for it. And when I started it, I started it, let me see, I might have started it one year or two years ago. But when I started it, it was five times a week, actually. Wow, that's crazy. Um, yeah, they're quite easy to make. Like, I just, on Sunday, I, like, write and make them all. If you look at them, the drawings are, like, pretty, 
I actually copy and paste a lot of stuff. Let me see when the first comic is. Um, but anyways, I was doing it five times a week. And then eventually I was like, I can't do this five times a week. Like it's, it's way too much. So now I do it Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, let me see. I'm trying to vamp because it's not fun to like wait for someone to. <laughs> the first one was September 29th of 2020. So. Oh, so during like the about, pandemic. Yeah, a yeah. year and a half. Is that a project that you thought of to do like when we were all like just kind of like stuck inside or were you thinking about doing it beforehand? No, I kind of thought about it. It's funny because I thought about it kind of on a whim. Mm-hmm. I was reading this web comic called Akewood. It's a very funny web comic from like 2001. And then I thought, oh, cool, I could do something like this. And then I made the first one. I didn't even expect like this is going to be an everyday kind of thing, but I made the first one and then I, I really liked it and I made two more and then I was like, oh, let's just start doing this five times a week. So that doesn't answer your question. That's just <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess so. It was sort of like I have all this free time. I was working on my computer a lot. It was like one extra thing, but it gave me something fun to post. Yeah, cool. Well, I think that is good segue into our first kind of big question for you is what's what's your origin? Like what's what's how did you come to this place in your life where you are now as an artist and as a person? Let me see. So I am when I was in middle school and high school, what I really wanted to do was make art for video games um and comics and I made comics a lot no that's not even the beginning I actually started making animations when I was like 11 because Mm. I've heard of a website called Newgrounds oh yeah I remember Newgrounds yeah so when I was like 10 I was really on it like I really liked I was on the internet a lot and what was cool about Newgrounds was that it was all animation but it was made by kids it was made by like 13 year olds um so a lot of it was pretty rudimentary and then I was like oh I could learn how to do this so when I was like 11, I made my first cartoon and it was like, it, it looked a lot like Homestar Runner. Like I was ripping off Homestar Runner. So then I was like making animation when I was younger and like comics. And then when I got to high school, I, I really wanted to make art for video games. So I started taking that really seriously. And that led me into like, I started painting and figure drawing a lot. And then through high school, I started taking sort of the visual arts really seriously. And I was really wanted to be kind of like a fine art painter or an illustrator or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing that in high school. And then halfway through high school, I started doing improv because I had this friend. In fact, Simple Town, the group I'm in now, I met uh-huh. with this guy, with the same guy. We would like make funny videos for like Facebook. And then we started an improv group at our school, at our high school. And so then I was doing a lot of improv and, and a lot of painting. And then I went to the Rhode Island School of Design, um, where I did animation. And while I was in school, I was also doing improv. And I started doing a lot of comedy, too. Um, So I was doing, like, animation on one side, and I was doing, like, improv and a little bit of sketch on the other side. And then I went through college, doing both of those things. At the end of college, um, well, I did a bunch of stuff in the middle. Like, I, I made this, like, TV, this public access tv show with that guy his name is will we made a public access tv show in our town over during the summer like a like a comedy show came back did animation then at the end of college i started this group simple town with with two friends that i was like making comedy videos with and we started performing live and then at the very end of college i got into stand-up i decided i really wanted to try stand-up 
And then when college was over, I was basically like, I had an animation thesis and I had this group and I was doing stand-up like regularly. And Simple Town decided we were going to move to New York to try and like perform and stuff. That's and cool. Came- you all moved together. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. We were going to move to Philadelphia for a little while because we were kind of anti-New York, but <laughs> I don't know, just one of, uh, one of our girlfriends lived here. So we just like all came here and, and yeah, so that's kind of the three tracks. That's like the three things I do is like Simple Town, I animate, and then I like do my own sort of a little bit of stand up, a little bit of like my own writing. Why were awesome. you anti-New York at one point? <laughs> I don't know. I guess we were like, Maybe it was like kind of like a punk rock stance or something like let's go to a small city and like make weird stuff rather than mm-hmm. go. I don't know. I was I'm glad we came to New York. I mean, I don't know. It maybe could have been cool if we'd gone to Philly. I think there's good things about going to a small city. Yeah, yeah I started comedy in Boston. So and there are like there's sometimes I wish I moved here sooner, but I do think it was nice that like in Boston, it was just way easier to get on stage than it is here just Mm -hmm. because there's so many fewer people and I still definitely threw shows where nobody came but it was still easier to get an audience there than it is here in some ways where there's just a hundred shows a night or and a gazillion million infinite things people could be doing here Yeah. (laughs) yeah totally yeah I remember going to when I was doing stand-up in Providence, I would sometimes drive to the Middle East, um, the actual Middle Oh, East. yes. No, I the, know the that. Boston bar. Yeah. Yeah, I did their open mic night a bunch of times. I think it was Tuesday nights, and it was yeah. notorious that no one would pay attention to you. It was a notoriously, like, rough room. I really enjoyed that, actually. I, I enjoyed, like, getting up knowing that it wasn't going to go well and mm. just having to practice just staying in the moment and not freaking out while no one cares about what you're saying. <laughs> totally. I remember going super late, or at least that was true for me because we were like not you know it was kind of rigged and also we had mm. to travel back to providence so we'd be back home at, at like one or two in the morning yeah i feel like i never went there for comedy i also was in boston for a time because i went to emerson in boston and but i wasn't really i was doing only sketch comedy while i was there i just remember going to see shows there <laughs> for like music yeah <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of music in the back. The comedy was right in the front Uh in one of the worst possible ways to perform. You were almost in the window as a stand-up, but facing away from the street. street. Yeah, Yeah, I do remember So sometimes people just like drunk people walking by would just hit the glass and distract you. And Mm -hmm. the door was right there and you were standing in the window. So people would be walking in and out through your whole set. And Uh it just, it it was just practice at doing bad. I never (laughs) saw a stand up there, but I did see like small little DJs that were in that like area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what have been some of the struggles you've had going on this uh, journey as an animator, comedian, sketch person? I think in some ways I've been quite lucky that I, for some reason, when I was really young, I decided I was going to like really grind as an artist. And so Mm -hmm. when I got out of college, I think I sort of had put on my 
put in my 10,000 hours. And so I like had a pretty good rhythm for making animation, like right out of college. And I had a thesis that I think was pretty good. It was like a 15 minute, like animated film. I think it's 15 minutes. It's pretty long. So I was lucky in that way. I think what's been maybe a little bit harder is that when I left college, I really wanted to be, be a good performer. I think there was like, um, I don't know what it was. I think I was maybe a little bit tired of, of animation and I really wanted to prove myself as a performer and maybe it was like an ego thing, but I have never in my, I guess I started doing stand up like in 20, I don't know, 16 maybe or 15. So like not that long ago, but in all that time, I think I still feel like and I think I've gotten, I think I'm pretty, I think I'm decent on stage. Like I can get on stage. I'm comfortable. I think I have solid jokes. Um, same with, with Simple Town. But I think I do have this like recurring, like insecurity about myself as a performer that I'm like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not like naturally that. That's not what I am. And I think I like fight it a lot because I, I really want to. And it's kind of hard to be like, okay, do I resign myself? Like, I'm an animator, nothing more than that. Like, just like, love that. That's it. That's what you are. Or do I like try to keep doing this thing that I want to do? Is it like wasted time? You know, I don't know. It's kind of a, and also too, it's like why it's sort of dealing with my own insecurity. Like, I'm not bad. I don't think I'm bad. Like, but, but I do have a little bit of a fear that, that I'm sort of putting my time into something that's not going to be anything. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. I mean, I I think I see myself as a performer mainly, but I write a lot in not small part because I feel that gives me the most performance opportunities, mm -hmm. but there's so many different things that I want to write that I also feel like I'm sometimes just pulling myself in too many directions where it's like, I look at people who just did one thing and focused on that every day. And I feel like they, in some ways have it so much easier. And I'm like, why didn't I, why did I make it so hard for myself? <laughs> I know it's hard. I mean, I, I have, yeah, the same problem where I mean, even the skating thing, it's like, I just get obsessed with new stuff all the time. And I think I kind of need, I need to, like, I can't, uh, I don't, I don't think I could do one single thing. I have had, I mean, after the pandemic, I did dive a lot more into animation and my performance life has kind of withered. I mean, I still perform, but it's like mm -hmm. way, way less. Yeah. I think all of us have experienced that. I mean, I just had to improv auditions recently and I haven't done improv in like two or three years and I was like what the fuck is this <laughs> I like how can I not remember I did so, they go okay in the end or were you just frozen I wasn't no I didn't freeze but like I left both of them being like why didn't I say that? Why didn't mm. I say that? Why didn't I say that? That would have been yeah. so funny why isn't my brain on top of it? Yeah. Or my, that creative, what, like even going into, I went to one today and it going into, it, I was like, please creative spirit, whatever you are, shine yeah. down on me. Like that thing that makes the energy flow. Cause yeah. I was, I wasn't necessarily nervous, but 
I was like, I just hope it comes because sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I started with improv and that's what really turned me off of improv. And I was like, I want to write before I get on stage. <laughs> it's so much easier to like control because sometimes when you're in a scene with someone and you're giving them gifts and you're like, please just pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Yes. <laughs> take it, take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, then it just turns into like you trying to fix it. And then that, then your brain gets involved and that's not necessarily like a great thing either. I'm also, I'm bad on the up on like remembering references to things. So sometimes people would, uh-huh. I forgot up. someone's name yesterday. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, you're my best friend. What's your name again? <laughs> yeah. You could be like, Oh, Alec, I like to call you that sometimes. Remember, because yeah. that story we have, that really important story that we have. It's true. That's the solution. Yeah. <laughs> make a joke about forgetting it. I meant to ask you earlier, and then I forgot. What program do you use to animate? Um, I use a bunch of different stuff. The main one is called Adobe Animate. Mm. It used to be mm. called Flash, and that's that's what they everyone used on Newgrounds. Yeah, I took a class in college in flash animation, and I was really excited about it, but overwhelmed because I'm easily overwhelmed with technology. Mm-hmm. But for the longest time, I was like, I want to go back to that because that was fun, even though it was scary. But then I heard flash is no longer a thing. It's not allowed. No, on it the is. Internet. It is. Well, I wouldn't pay attention to that. It's mm-hmm. the, wh- what that actually means is like kind of technical and really doesn't matter. Like if you flash still exists, it's called animate and it's just the way that it's like displayed online, but it is still a thing. A lot of TV shows, like, I mean, for all my work for anytime I storyboard for a show, I use flash. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. And some TV shows are animated in flash. Not as much now. It used to be more, but But they're all technically animated in uh, animate that is flash yeah i still call it flash because animate is a weird name but uh yeah it's called adobe animate why was there this anti-flash sentiment for so long um wait what do you mean like all of a sudden it just was like you can't do that anymore well it was just a technical thing or it was like yeah it's just a technical thing it used to be that like browsers supported flash in a natively what, and it's like I couldn't even like fully explain what that means but like when you watch a video on YouTube you're watching you're not watching a flash <sighs> see I, I don't even have the technical terms for it like I know it I know sort of what it means in, in terms of how it like gets used but it just means that flat you can't have like a flash video it needs to be turned into a MOV file it literally doesn't matter but flash still is a software that is really good and is yeah, you just turn it into an MOV instead of keeping yes. it as a flash. Exactly. That's it. It mm-hmm. used to be flash exports this thing called SWF. And now you have to make an MOV because you can't play SWFs on, on a browser. Got it. Yeah, this <laughs> is what gets me so overwhelmed. <laughs> not super interesting. Well, well, but this is what gets me so overwhelmed because I'm like, I get excited about the creative elements of it but uh-huh. the technical technical elements of anything just make me feel like my brain is warm and it is gonna like explode in a microwave i think uh-huh. you know i mean i've been using flash for a really really long time 
in my opinion, it's like remarkably simple. Like it has, I've used other animation software that has a ton of features. Flash is like most bare bones. There are things you have to learn, like technical things that are kind of boring and stupid. But once you get them, I don't think they're that complicated. And I think, but I don't know. I've also been using the software for a long time. And I know like things about it that I'm like, whoa, that is such a specific bug that like I've been dealing with since I was like 11 that I know, or I know all this stuff about it. So, well, I'm terrible with technology, so <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. And I'm going to ask you what in your, like when things are not going so well for you in whatever capacity, whether it's life or art, like, what's the one thing in your life that is like your saving grace that you turn to that gives you comfort or gets you right back on track or whatever it may be? I don't know. It kind of depends on what sort of problem. I mean, I think, you know, running or exercise is really good. Um, trying to have like a good running schedule helps me a lot. Creatively, I think reading and watching stuff. I've been I've also been mm -hmm. trying to <laughs> write a pilot, but uh, but um. Nice. Let me know if you want to exchange pilots sometime. Yeah, I maybe. would do that. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I've been having a really hard time with it. Um, mm -hmm. So I think the one thing that always helps is just to like read stuff. I've been, I've been trying to like read more, like read comics and read pilots. So I guess that's kind of a, in terms of like having a creative slump, like watching stuff and reading stuff is always really reliable. Yeah, I agree. I think I turn to, especially watching stuff. I'm a really bad reader, guys. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm quite bad too. I haven't read a book in a long time. I know. I tried reading a book this summer, The Woman in the Window. We talked about <laughs> our very first podcast. And, and I warned you, the beginning is really slow. Well, it was so slow. I didn't really get to it for like two months it took me about three months to read this one book but now they have a television show that parody parodies it and now you get the parody more yes, so it's the exactly. gift that just keeps on giving it's true it's true it's worth oh. it no i mean reading i'm kind of lying i mean i have finished books recently and stuff but mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't know i wish i had more of a, a reliable schedule. I feel like I like reading books that like I learned something from like it's like reading someone a real person's story or it's like on how to do something or I generally do fiction. gravitate towards nonfiction yeah. myself but I'm trying to read more fiction to get a better handle on story structure because mm -hmm. that's something that's eluded me for a while I think if you <laughs> want to write a book you I need to read, read books. yes <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is I think one of the key difficulties in the book I'm writing is that I have not read enough books <laughs> to be writing a book well, and yet I, mean, I still have the audacity to uh just go ahead and try it <laughs> oh what's interesting is I I I actually also did literature in college and so I have like I really love reading like doing like really close reading and reading really difficult things like fiction specifically but then I find and I so I get a lot out of that and like trying to assimilate like a vibe or some sort of like storytelling philosophy but then when I try to write this pilot and I read pilots the thing that I really have to remember is that pilots are actually quite dumb which I by which I mean that like tv writing I think has to be really obvious and clear in a way mm -hmm. that books don't I think books are best when they're like subtle and nuanced. And I think TV writing, especially TV comedy writing needs to be really clear and like 
um, I yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that because I do, I have read books, but like mm-hmm. a lot of the books that I do read that are fiction are more sort of windows into someone's world and a vibe. Like you were saying, I don't read a lot of the pop fiction type books that are very structured and pilots mm-hmm. and TV is also like very structured Um, But the TV and the movies that I usually gravitate towards are the ones that are just like, here's a series of vignettes or like weird things. And Mm -hmm. I think to get to make something like that, you have to kind of first prove that you can do the basics and the basics are harder than they seem like they would be. So right Mm -hmm. now I'm like trying to focus on like getting pilot samples that are more by the books and I'm struggling with it way more than I've been really humbled by that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I think that, I mean, especially, I think that sometimes for writing pilots being too smart is bad. Um, I mean, I I actually think it's good to read difficult things and then to try to simplify better than, I think that's better than not having a lot of thoughts in your head and trying to write a pilot, then the pilot's going to be dumb. But if you have a lot of thoughts in your head and you figure out how to simplify them, I think that's that's a good approach. I also find that like the biggest problem for me writing pilots is like I try to be too clever or I try to like get ideas in there that are too sort of literary. And then I was like, I was reading the one show that I'm like, I really don't want to make that show because in animation, like anytime someone wants you to pitch, it's like this show, this sort of like high watermark is like Bob's Burgers. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I do not want to make Bob's Burgers. Like that is not my taste. Like I don't, but I never really seen Bob's Burgers. So it's like, I gotta (laughs) watch. You just know it's not your (laughs) I know it's like, I don't want to watch that shit. That sucks. That shit sucks. But I hadn't really seen it. So I sat down and I was watching it and it's fine. Like I get, I get what's like good about it. I don't, I still don't know if it's my taste or a thing I would want to make, but then I read a, I read a, like a script of it, a screenplay. And I was like, this is so simple. Like the ideas here mm-hmm. are so, so simple. Yeah. It's, it's tough because, so I think one of the reasons why I don't like watching most pilots and most of the time I have to force myself to get to the second or third episode is they have to be so expositional. They, people just straight up are like, all I've ever wanted in life is this tractor and you're my wife and like, I can't get the track. It's such a bummer. I'm not going to be able to get the tractor because your dad owns the big tractor company across town who's going to try and take it. And yeah. You know, like, it's just everybody is like very, very explicitly saying their wants, needs and character tropes for the whole time. And it, mm-hmm. I, I think I was trying too hard to like make it subtle, but no, I think when, you pe- can't. yeah, when people were reading yeah. it, they were like, we don't understand what this character wants. And I would like explain it to them and they're like, okay, I can see that, but we still don't really get it on the page. We need it to be more explicit. I know, I know. I think like having a character literally, I don't know, give other characters a tour of a place and explaining it. Or Mm -hmm. having a character like do a monologue where they explain everything. Like honestly, especially in comedy writing where you just want to get to the jokes right away. It's like, you have to let go of that impulse to be subtle. It's like, just say it, just have the character say it and move forward. Like- yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to improv training where it's just like, just say who who we are to yeah. each other, where we are, 
and I forget what the other one is right off the bat and then where yeah just like put all those things out there and then make the jokes and not uh, you know confuse Uh, the audience yeah well my roommate was saying how he was watching arrest development or no a friend of mine was saying that they were watching arrest development and they were just like they solved the problem of exposition because they have a voiceover and the voiceover is very funny like it's not it doesn't feel lame but it just explains everything and it's uh-huh. like you you really the one the first thing you're told not to do is to have a voiceover, but they do it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's good because it's funny. Yeah, I think I love a voiceover when it tells you things that you wouldn't otherwise know. I don't like it when it tells you things that are already obvious. But I feel like so much mm-hmm. like you were saying, TV writers or I guess it's not even the writers, but the networks think that we're so stupid that we need to be hit over the head with like what is going on (laughs) but I say that but then I like truly cannot tell you how many people I've heard recently were not sure if that um parody of woman in the window was a parody or not what's the parody it it is it is straight insane if you watch it not as a (laughs) I laugh so hard when uh the child wife me child too but kind of yeah. i'm not sure if we should say i'm it not, not gonna say it yeah because yeah. it's funny if you don't know it's coming yeah so what is your like big crazy dream your like ultimate goal in in all of this if you could do anything i would really like to have a show like a cartoon show that i create and run so that's my big big crazy dream and i would really like simple town to have a sitcom that we create and make and write and perform in um or a sketch show those are my two big big crazy dreams um and then maybe you know have a family and all that stuff but uh, (laughs) but yeah I think that's the two big things that I would like that's super exciting and you can make them happen yeah it does seem like you're you're focused in that direction yeah you're like getting there Maybe sometimes it doesn't feel that way, you know. Sometimes, like sometimes, I feel mm-hmm. really like in my bag, like I'm like, oh, cool, you know. It's like I got the skills. I'm like now reaping the rewards of having like learned all this stuff. But then also, I don't know. I was like hearing someone. I guess I don't know if it's bad to sort of name check them, but I was like hearing someone who knows. You know, you guys remember Jake and Amir? Yeah, they were on College Humor or they were on College Humor. Yeah. And so this is a person who knew them and they were like, yeah, you know, they tried to sell a show for a long time, but they like, it never happened. And they're like, you know, now they're like, they're, that moment is over and they're kind of like bitter about it or whatever. I mean, I don't know if they're bitter, but like, you know, it's like, obviously um, you'd get pissed off because you have this whole thing, this whole moment and it doesn't happen. Yeah. Who knows what they feel in their hearts, but that's sort of how this person kind of like laid it out to me. And I was just like, fuck, like you can be great. You can be super famous and beloved. And like, those guys were beloved. Like Mm -hmm. I am not, you know, I don't have any of what they had in terms of audience or whatever, and they couldn't hack it. And what that brings me to is just like, Oh, it's just like really not in your control. Like you can be really good and it's just not in your control and really ultimately it isn't. Um, So I think that's kind of a hard thing to kind of have to accept a little bit. There's so many people, yeah. maybe you guys feel this way too, but there's so many people in Brooklyn that I'm like, man, like you're the funniest person I've seen ever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, not, you don't have what you want. Maybe you will, but I don't know. I just think it's like not always in your control. Yeah. yeah. I do think there's a really big, 
piece of the puzzle that is luck. And that's an inconvenient thing to say, because in some ways it is a little bit demotivating, but I mean, it also just is true. And, you know, like there, there's some people who are like, I see as like the next big thing that I'm like, really that person. And then there's some people who like, I'm like, they, they've got to blow up. I'm sure they will. And they don't. And then like, sometimes you see it and you're like, yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally happy for them. That's great. But I don't know. It all is like so subjective too. Or people who like, like, you're in the scene and you're like, that person's blowing up. And then like a year later, you don't hear anything about them anymore. Yeah. I feel like for me, I've been coming to that realization that this really is like all about the journey and and how to like stop I don't know if this is the right word but like pining over it that like my life is going to be so much better when this happens to me and and try to like stay in the moment and enjoy the things that I have while they're happening because I feel like my whole life I've just been pining after this thing that may not ever happen and what happened to the rest of my life while it like passed me by yeah I agree with that I mean I see I think that's like kind of the paradox like I know that my time making live shows with Simple Town and this time like getting on stage and being you know young and all that like this is actually the most interesting art that I will make Mm -hmm. um and that anything I make for TV is definitely going to not be as interesting. Um, yeah. Hopefully it will be, but yeah. I don't know. I think, I think of like, for instance, like Maria Bamford, I think she's super mm-hmm. funny. She made that series where she's filming herself and she made that back in like 2000. Do you guys remember like nine or 10? Yeah. yeah. When she was in her, bedroom, yeah. in her bedroom. Yeah. That was great. That was like, to me, the culmination of this one idea she had. And then she made Lady Dynamite. Did you guys see Lady Dynamite? I started watching it and honestly, I like wasn't very into the pilot, but I said I'm not very into pilots as a general rule. So that may not mean it's. I think that the show was kind of so-so, but it was sort of a, I was like, I was like, oh, the most interesting art is the art that you make when you're not like famous. And Mm -hmm. then you get famous and then you basically get like, you get, it's like when, when actors get an Oscar for a movie after the, you know, when, when Joaquin Phoenix got the Oscar for the Joker, but really it was for the master. It's like, you make the interesting stuff, you make the cool stuff, and then they give you a show. The show's not as interesting, but really the show is a reward for the other interesting thing you did. So I think like this is the most interesting art that I'll make, um, probably. And anything I make after will just be, but you kind of need to be driven by the pining. Like the pining, it's kind of a paradox. Like the pining, you're pining for a thing that's not going to be as good as this moment of like pure creative exploration but you need to pine for it in order to be driven in this moment. So it's kind of a paradox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful way of saying it because how many other people have we seen? Uh, I can't even think of specific names at, at, at this moment, but where we're making super cool underground stuff. And then uh-huh. when they got the big dream deal to do something, it was just kind of like, meh, all right this is fine <laughs> because because tv mm-hmm. crushes and disintegrates everything like it's mm-hmm. not it doesn't it doesn't turn things good it, it's 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 restrictive but 
I don't know. Sometimes people manage it. Sometimes people manage to make really cool things on television. But my experience has been that, like, I don't know. Anytime I've worked on a thing on an animation for TV, I've just been like, ah, oh, like the constraints here are so like strong that it's really hard to make something surprising. That's um, surprising to me because I would think with Adult Swim, it's kind of like be as weird as you can be. Like that's well, the TV place to be weird, I would think. Mm-hmm. You know, there is some truth to that. I think Adult Swim honestly is changing. Adult Swim is not what it was like in 2004 or whatever, or five or six or seven. Um, it's just it's just changing now. I don't know what the next one will be. And there, you can still be weird, but I just think television right now is very like, is my sense from like all the conversations I've had. Well, I think that leads us to... Uh, ways we sabotaged ourselves this week. (laughs) I would say that I just was not the most focused. And like always, I have trouble jumping from task to task. I get like really excited and into something. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think this would be what I was excited about. But I found this company, Brass Taxes, that um, can help me do my taxes. And they just had a list of a gazillion million things that you can deduct. And I got so excited that I spent so much time making a spreadsheet of all these like deductions that um, I didn't realize I was qualified for, but I'm still missing one paper from my bank uh, that I need to actually finish my taxes. So it truly, other things were way more urgent than that right now but I just got like really (laughs) excited about it and I was like what if I was a bookkeeper what if I was an accountant look at me I love (laughs) typing numbers into boxes and then I was like this is really not what you need to be doing in this moment (laughs) yeah I feel like I get obsessed with money sometimes and then I'm like "Mm, I wish I had it give it give it to me Um, I think for me, it was really had to do some like nice self-talk to myself this week because I was doing a lot of bad Mm self-talk and I was talking to my therapist and she was like, you need to like not talk to yourself like that (laughs) in your head like that. And so by the end of the week, it got, got, uh, got a lot better. And, but that's something that I like really have to practice is not like, getting down on myself and um yeah so I don't think I sabotaged myself really I mean talking to yourself badly is sabotaging yourself but I did a little turnaround and it's something I'm working on so it's it's an ongoing process (laughs) great (laughs) how about you Felipe maybe there's a smarter answer but the simplest answer is that I have I found an accountant and I need to get them all my income I, so that they can do my taxes but mm-hmm. um and I was gonna do it last week and I didn't and now it's Friday and I haven't done it and I need to do it and I need to book these tickets for LA there's like these little tasks that I'm kind of afraid to pull the trigger on That's I hate I travel tasks those are overwhelming to me all the time yeah yeah it's like and it and it and it, and it requires that I like commit to a trip that I've like decided on and I, I think at this point I'm going to do it, but it's like, just like hitting by or whatever. And that's kind of a bummer. And then this tax thing. Yeah. And then I just, 
I'm just delaying it. You can do it. I got to do it this week. I got to do it this week. I think this leads us to our last. Yeah. Human time, which is something we got joy from that we're not trying to monetize this week. And I would say for me, I did spend about 20 minutes playing the ukulele very badly, but slightly less badly than the last time I picked it up. So I'm happy for that because I do want to someday be a person who can play one single song on an instrument. (laughs) That's awesome. I think for me it was, well, I don't know if this counts because no one makes money from doing improv. (laughs) (laughs) But I did go to like a drop-in class yesterday to prepare for my audition. And it was just out of like, it was to prepare for something, but it was something that was just like purely to have fun yeah as well and I had a really good time and I was like maybe I'll come back I mean because I feel like I don't know learning as I mean I've done it a bunch and I've taken all the classes at the pit and UCB but I feel like it's a skill that is ever you can keep training yourself and getting better and better and better And it isn't something that I like, I'm not going to make money from being an improv artist, but I might get someone to see me and then be on a show or something. But I just think that there's that skill is really intriguing to me. Yeah, it is fun in and of itself. Yeah, it's, it's complicated, but it's very like, I think it makes me a better, smarter person. (laughs) Hell yeah. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> how about um, for you i think i mean skating i've been skating yeah hour a day and it's really just because i got a lot of pleasure out of it it's yeah not ever do anything for me but i like it no that's yeah. awesome i would uh, love to skate if i wasn't terrified of bodily harm i i would like stiffen up too much out of fear to even do a thing on a skateboard you know, I've always thought of myself as a very fearful person, but I think that I found out I also climb. I've been like climbing and I think that I'm fearful about certain things, but maybe for some reason, like I'm not as scared to like get hurt or I don't think about it as much. What's nice in skating is that sometimes you do fall and nothing happens to you. If you know how to fall right, you can fall and you don't get hurt. And that's the mm-hmm. best feeling because it's like, oh, cool. Like this isn't the end of the world. Falling's not the end of the world. Mm, that is a good skill to learn falling well yeah (laughs) you just kind of roll and you don't like you know you like scrape up a little bit but it's okay I have broken a wrist from falling before oh no at I went to a dead mouse concert (laughs) when I was in college (laughs) and there was so much water on the floor because everyone was on drugs, but I actually didn't take any drugs. I was just like chugging Bud Light and I just fell so many times on the floor that I broke my wrist. I didn't know until the next day I woke up and I was like, oh my God, this hurts so bad. Oh God. And I went to the hospital and they were like, this is like completely cracked. <laughs> oh, and I had to have surgery. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> One expensive night out. Yeah, that was, my mom was, yeah, 
pissed. She's like, this cost me $3,000. I was like, that's actually not that bad. <laughs> Considering I, how that's my, that is my number one fear is hurting my hand because I have to draw for work. So yes, like, yeah, that yeah. is my biggest fear about the skateboard. Yeah. I, and I, I broke my right fit or my right wrist. And um, because of that, I feel like now I'm a little more ambidextrous. So like, I don't open doors with my right hand anymore. I only do it with my left hand. Well, before we go, uh, Felipe, where can they find you on social media? Or any media, any website or whatever you want to plug? So on Twitter, I am Felipe Dipoy, F-E-L-I-P-E-D-I-P-O-I. On Instagram, I'm Philoop, uh, F-E-L-E-U-P. And then on both of those, you can find my comic, Little E.D. And I also have a podcast called Raisin Man Arena. But if this is coming on Monday, and if you're listening to it on the week of, uh, well, I guess Monday's going to be the 15th, February 15th. Yeah. Or am it's I, the no? Valentine's Day. It's Monday the 14th. 15th? Yeah. 14th. 14th. Anyways. On Friday, Simple Town is going to premiere a video uh, at uh, Life World in Gowanus. I don't know if you guys have been to to Life World, but they I have are- not. I have, and yeah. I went, and I I was scared at first because I was like, "This doesn't look right. This looks like an abandoned uh, place." But <laughs> inside, it's cool. <laughs> it's nice, yeah, yeah. And you can find them at Come Period Two Period Life Period World. Um, okay. on instagram but anyways i guess just find me on the on the, um, the app and then all the links to simple town to all those things will happen but we do have a show next friday where we're premiering a new short film oh awesome yeah i think i saw the trailer for that it's like haunted car is that what it's yes called? it's called scary car scary car yeah the trailer was very funny cool. so i'm glad you like that uh so. well thank you so much yeah. for being here thanks for having me You're welcome. Thank you.